cancellation special with special guests, budget cuts, recessions, Bob Chapek, the abandoned remains of River Country, 9-11, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Ryan O'Reilly and Ryan Dorman. Welcome, dreamers of all ages, to the 50th episode of Unbuilt and Unrealized State Park Podcast. With me today, as he has been for all the past 49 episodes, oh my is my co-host Ryan Dorman. How are you doing? 50. It's 50 like someone coming up to you and telling you how old you are. It's like, it doesn't even feel like 50. It feels like we just started. <laughs> it really does. And ah, 50, 50 episodes. It's... Hard to believe that there's that many unbuilt things, and there's still more to come out there in the world. But today we are covering like a bunch of them, and these are mm. mostly all grouped together for a for a reason. Now you may be wondering, there's going to be an omission here, a very uh, a couple of missions, and mm. that is because they are being saved for future episodes, Ooh. especially, uh, did you notice we have just confirmed another unbuilt attraction in the past, like few days? Uh, which one specifically are you referring to? <laughs> well, we got a nice little list from Disney about all the upcoming attractions they're planning on opening. Mm-hmm. And there was a very big omission. And that was surprise, surprise, the Avengers e-ticket yet again. No been, shit. Yeah, it's been I, I did not know that. Okay, well, there, well, hey, look, you can meet Grandpa Thanos was the original plan, right? So <laughs> was King Thanos, right? <laughs> yes. Wow. I mean, look, just give it a little bit of time and the quasi-announced Villains Land and Moana Park mm-hmm. and uh, Animal Kingdom will also no longer be planned. Actually, were those on that list or is no, that... They, no, those? they weren't. They were not okay. on the list. No. Those were AI generated, I'm certain. Yeah. I'm, I'm certain. <laughs> Oh, probably. There's no there's no imagineers on staff to do that that concept <laughs> <art>. <laughs> uh, but the <laughs> is so amazing that if you look at the list, it's like Tiana's Bayou Adventure, and then there's just nothing after that for the region for the regional parks. It's well, it's know, quite in, in- sobering to look at. <laughs> In fairness, it's not like their competition is ready to open a brand new theme park anytime soon. Right. They're not two new theme parks. Uh, There you go. I I, I don't know. Maybe maybe, uh, they're just kind of like, well, you know what? Just let Universal take the reins. We've we've had it too hard for a while. Let's let them be cream of the crop for a while. (laughs) Yeah, just give the money off to them. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but anyways, today uh, we are going to be uh, looking at a bunch of canceled Disney projects. Now, of course, what does canceled mean? Canceled means Disney announced this and then they went, oopsie, never mind, takey backsies for various reasons. And we're going to do like some resorts and attractions and uh, just kind of a general potpourri of stuff that is not enough to focus an entire episode on, but uh, is just small enough to be like kind of a little fun size unbuilt candy. And you're going to get a bunch of them today. Uh, with that said, uh, let us go to our main topic. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. 
All right, here we are for our Disney cancellation special, and uh, we are very excited. Let's start off with a uh, with a show, uh, an opening show of uh, the Main Street Theater. Now, the Main Street Theater is interesting because it's trying to solve one thing and one thing only, and that's uh, incredible capacity concerns at the Magic Kingdom. Uh, apparently, uh, that was not enough of a concern to get this done. At the D23 Expo in 2017, there was a massive flood of announcements. You and I remember this very fondly. It was just one thing after another. Surprisingly, most of the announcements came to life, with one major exception. Planned to be placed behind the east side of Main Street's alleyways, a gigantic 2,000-plus seat theater. The look, curiously enough, is inspired by Willis Theater from Kansas City, primed look just as when Walt lived there. Strangely, Main Street itself is based on Marceline, not Kansas City. It's like a kind of like a sidestep in time as you go into the back. And honestly, I'm looking at the concept art and it, it is almost kind of awkward how like a lot of Main Street, there's stuff bordering it. But here there's just kind of nothing. It seems like it's a kind of open, uh, very open air. Like it's mm. in the middle of a big open parking lot, right. um, which is, would be weird because it's seemingly close to Tomorrowland. It's right. So that at would be the background. Exactly. Yeah. The background is Space Mountain, which um, <laughs> which you would think that they would like cover it up maybe with like facades or something. Don't mention sight lines about Disney. Yeah. Oh, a lot that's of angry true. Letters. That's true. They're going to get all mad if they don't have the <laughs> best sight lines possible. Uh, so you could kind of look like on how it would go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're you're right. Like the Carousel Theater would have been just kind of like right beside it right, right there. Uh, so the theater was designed to hold a large amount of Magic Kingdom guests for 45 minute long shows, soaking in tremendous capacity, which is necessary for the most popular theme park in the entire world. The theater would go in the footsteps of Tokyo Disney Sea's Broadway Music Theater and DCA's Hyperion Theater as being premium Broadway quality venues with plush seats, multiple seating tiers, state-of-the-art staging equipment, and the ability to present high-end productions. Rumored at the time was that the theater would open up either a transplant of DCA's Frozen musical or possibly a new Tangled show based on the version from the Disney Cruise Line. The Main Street Theater was quickly removed from the Disney website in late 2017 as additional funds to build Tron-like cycle run coaster were given the budget instead. The land was prepped but abandoned quickly and still sits empty. Uh, now, uh, the thing is, is that the Magic Kingdom, the uh, one thing I that surprised me when I came back there after all that time was how many theater shows are at the Magic Kingdom. Hmm. Uh, and I would have to say there was a, the Hall of Presidents, there's the Carousel of Progress, there's Monsters Inc. Laugh Floor, the Tiki Room, Philhar Magic, and there's also uh, Stitch's Great Escape at the time, technically, could almost be classified as a theater show. Mm-hmm. Uh, am I missing any? Um. My brain is like mixing Disneyland and Walt Disney World at the moment. Oh, I don't think there are any Bear live Chamber. action ones. Yeah, well, so there's, those are the attractions. Are there any like live stage shows in Fantasyland? In... That's the thing. No, they're not. There's mm. a theater in Tomorrowland that's, that's right. rarely used. But that's pretty much it. Uh, there's really no live theater. So there's mm. a lot of like 
animatronic or like show based attractions that, that hold people for like a tiny bit of time, but there's nothing that soaks up a giant swell of people for right. 45 for minutes. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny you, I know that people were critical of things like Ellen's energy adventure and the great movie ride, but you look at magic kingdom and people will go to these longer theater attractions like the hall of presidents mm-hmm. just for something yeah. to do for 30 minutes. Air conditioning. Um, yeah, exactly. So, like, pragmatically, this seems like a very good idea, especially mm-hmm. in Main Street, just to have a massive theater just to suck people up in the middle of the day right? Um, and hold on to them. And that's yeah. interesting because I think it's really successful in Animal Kingdom. Yes. Uh, I think the problem, though, is the fact that it seems like Walt Disney World guests are less willing to sit for that long of a time. There's There seems to be something where – they're they're able to sit for maybe like 30 minutes at most but they don't want to like do much further than that and i think it's because children get more restless sure yeah and that's the thing they like they took the finding emo show and they cut it down as well Mm -hmm. yeah that's the thing i mean i think it's going to be a bit of a difficult sell for a lot of these theater shows. Unfortunately, if you base yourself entirely on guest statistics of what attractions they enjoy the most, the mm. theater attractions are going to be at the bottom right. uh, as they were for a very long time. And, you know, was it like the two lowest rated attractions were Ellen's energy adventure and the great movie ride for a while. Yeah. Um, however, I do think though, if you, if you pose the question a little differently and frame it as, what attractions are you using to get out of the heat for an hour at a time? Mm, yeah, it is more. I think you you will get a more positive reaction than the alternative, which is standing in an air conditioned line right. um, for an hour. Right. So, like, I know I've done One Man's Dream more times than I can count, not because I want to do it, but because people in my party are exhausted by the heat. Mm-hmm. So, like, part of me wonders if, yeah, well, what you're saying is right. Let's say this was like a 45 minute show, people would just be furious that they wasted an hour of their day especially with the price to get in the park right um on the other hand i don't know i think people would suck it up and be like well it's not 90 degree florida humidity um and it's free so right well that's (laughs) the thing also it's live entertainment which definitely leads itself to better like attraction than like the animatronic shows which are the same over and over and uh, right. You know, live performances are super, super popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I think the real death knell of this is that people people want rides. They don't want yeah. shows are less of an attractive quality than rides are. Especially but, Walt Disney World, yeah, exactly. But I still think that this is very much something that the park could use. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will say that this time, 2017, when would uh, Bob Chapek take over the com- company? It was uh, 2020. He actually took it like right as the pandemic was happening. That's right. I mm-hmm. think that, but he was at Parks at this point. Yeah, I think yeah, he, he was, was at Parks. Uh, yeah. He was the one who was doing this presentation and went, and That's the right. Main Street, the Yard. Yeah. And I, part of it certainly has to be around the time I remember Disney pushing away from. Um, like unionized performers, yeah, and a variety of things. Mm-hmm. So, had they opened this, they would have had to hire actors, yeah. And I, I imagine there was some pushback against that from mm-hmm. higher ups, um, which is unfortunate. You know, it would have been a more expensive decision, but 
I don't know. It's better than leaving Stitch's Great Escape empty and things like that. That's so. no, that's absolutely true. And I, I, I definitely think that they were probably looking at it and going, well, we have to keep up the venue. We have to do this. Right. We have to do that. You know, and it's not just a ride. It doesn't run itself. So exactly. they were like probably doing all the math and it's like, yeah, it will, you know, less, less burning us with um capacity concerns, but and this is the budget is probably better spent elsewhere than this. Yeah. And, and that's, I think it's unfortunate and I would like them to revisit this again for sure, especially since there's nothing on that spot at all it's cheaper than building a new ride i would imagine yeah. i mean i would just like comparing to an e-ticket mm-hmm. yeah if they need something cheap to do recently then half-ass mm-hmm. it i guess and put something there <laughs> <laughs> do you like the facade like the- it looks nice i think um it the problem i have with it is that it's significantly less uh it stands out less than it's anything just, on main yeah. street currently mm-hmm. It's so uniform in its color, at least in this early concept art, mm-hmm. um, that I feel like it just doesn't look exactly right. And like you're saying, it's literally alone in this whole thing. You know, Main Street's the benefit of Main Street is that it's packed. Mm-hmm. It's like a very you look at the the really excellent early concept art and the main emphasis mm-hmm. is on kinetic, close together, packed motion. Mm-hmm. Um this is weird. This looks like it's in that horrible, terrible theme park, Lost Island. Yeah. Ah, oh, that's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just Maybe because they it's could on its it. own. Yeah, yeah, uh, because it's in a big open plain with nothing around it. So you just and get nobody this, like, in it. Yeah. <laughs> oh oh no poor lost island yeah Um, yeah, i mean it's like i get what they're going for i don't ah this is one of those cases where disney is using um where imagineering is so up their own ass Mm -hmm. pardon my french about walt disney's history that they don't i think ask whether it makes sense like main street isn't exactly marceline but it's sure as hell not an empty open giant building from kansas city exactly um but i I get it you know if you're trying to pitch a broadway theater marceline missouri has like six people in the town i just don't understand why you just don't use the main street opera house from disneyland i just don't get it why don't you just use that yeah, that's true. That's uh, a good point. Uh, but uh, like the other concern would be possible bottlenecking. I know that right. they built in here like some, you know, these uh, flush through arcades that they have to uh-huh. help with that. But I don't know. Like you're asking for 2000 people to go straight to Main Street for yes. like these these intervals and then to pour out back to the park. It's true. When the show lets out. Yeah. It's going to be a nightmare. Um, The problem or one way to solve that problem would be to spit people out to Tomorrowland. But mm-hmm. like, I don't think Magic Kingdom's Tomorrowland needs 2,000 more people. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. In fairness, I think that one thing they might have realized beyond like the, I don't want to pay my actors and it's expensive to build is exactly what you're saying, is that this doesn't help crowd flow. This helps like crowd density, but with regard to keeping people in Main Street, Mm-hmm. It seems like, as I understand it, the goal of Main Street currently is to get you into a store or the hell out of Main Street as fast as possible. Yeah, right. Um, it's not like Tokyo, you know, it's not massive. It's very mm-hmm. tiny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, no, maybe it would have been good if they brought the Big Band Beat show where Mickey's on the drums. But they would never do that because that's good. It doesn't yeah. have a property. Yeah. Right. In, in Walt Disney World, it would have to have a property. Um, <laughs> and they that's can't true. even like pump a new show into DCA without taking 8,000 years to do it. <laughs> Or just doing Rogers really quickly for like yeah. two two whole months, and then going, eh, all right, now What's we're going after Rogers. There's rumors out there. Uh, oh, okay, and uh, I thought it was definitive. Like, it's not I, I, definitive yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, there's rumors out there, but they haven't announced anything yet. Uh, all I know is that Rogers was not built to last. All I'll say is that like. I don't want to talk about Rogers. If you get if if we, if, if we don't stop now, I'll keep talking about Rogers. Know, but, yeah, you know it's like every Marvel joke has to be run into the ground as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. But aren't you looking forward to the Marvels? It's unlike all the MCU movies. It's that's wacky. right. It's going to make zero dollars. It'll, it'll it's unlike every other MCU movie because this one will hopefully bomb. <laughs> Aww, ah, poor. Poor Nia, she can't even advertise her show without the strike. Anyways, um, moving on to the Epcot Festival Center, which we all know, mm. it's the big table. Uh, so in 2019, D23 brought a good deal of attention towards a nostalgic retro redo of Epcot, which was mostly about vibes rather than, you know, Edutainment and attractions. Nevertheless, <laughs> one of the major aspects of the redo was to be the three-story tall World Celebration Festival Center. This futuristic spaceship-like table that soared into the sky would have been located between Imagination and Test Track, looming towards the World Showcase Lagoon. The first floor, located on ground level, would be a host to a stage and various cooking demonstrations. Uh, it also would have had like this like projection mapping roof or something like that. Mm-hmm. The second level would have been the festival headquarters. The third floor would have been a rooftop featuring a thick forest park that could pay host to many private events, plus prime viewing for the now gone no. nighttime spectacular <laughs> harmonias. Hooray. You, you could see the the weird I always thought this was weird. The weird model that was in the Odyssey where mm-hmm. it's just covered in trees. I think that's really neat. It oh, is look, neat, but yeah. how does that work if it's supposed to be somewhere that you can look out onto if you're um, just surrounded okay, that's by yeah. That's a good point. But I guess they would just have almost viewing as, at the front or something. It's yeah. almost as if it's all these trees because they're hiding what they haven't designed yet. Mm. <laughs> as dubious as its inclusion was, it no doubt at least represented one of the first architectural gambles Epcot saw in a long, long time. Of course, once the pandemic hit, so did this unyieldly festival center concept. Value engineering turned the project into the one-story communicar hall set to debut later this year. So, this whole project apparently was mostly set in motion because they promised all these private vendors and special events that they could use this as party space to watch the fireworks show on to. And that's mm-hmm. really all they considered it much for. Otherwise, I mean, it's a cool idea, but it doesn't make very much sense. Well, 
Yeah, but I think that that's part of the Epcot charm. Yeah. Is that everything in Epcot was a cool idea but doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, what's the point of um, having, like, a fancy jewelry, like a futuristic jewelry store in a theme park? Not very much. Mm -hmm. I guess where you can buy tennis balls back in the 80s. Yeah. Um, But you, that's just what it is. You know, what Communicore Hall is an inefficient, uh, building design because you cross the street to get to the other half mm-hmm. and spaceship earth is a ride in a giant geodesic sphere i think that had they done the table and put more work into making it pragmatic i don't think we would be as critical to it that's true but like you're saying if this became de facto a private party space yeah i think it would piss most people off because exactly. the biggest addition isn't for them it's for mm-hmm the the johnson and johnson party or exactly. the kodak party or something like well, that. well it's just like how the uh entire top of the imagination pavilion is for dvc only that's right and mm-hmm. the more ways they like it doesn't make any sense if epcot was like a free to access shopping center then i would understand why you could have oh well people are just coming to the world showcase and then you can make a bunch of stuff private in world in future world because mm-hmm. i don't know they're like special ac- uh, pay per access bars or something yeah um but when it's like your 120 dollars theme park and like let's say imagine this table was built people would just look at it and say okay well what can i do there and the exactly. answer would be pretty much nothing mm-hmm. um which is unfortunate because the whole pitch if i remember correctly in the original epcot in this epcot redo is a lot of green spaces mm-hmm. for people to just kind of lounge around in right which is like closer to the original city design of epcot than the theme park was you know it's like you're building a a central park right in this theme park so but why would you spend like over a hundred dollars to go to that well, that's the question. Yeah. I think that with clever marketing and design, you could totally make it more than worth it because you would emphasize the food and I guess you would emphasize like the otherworldliness of it. Like I think, for example, right, let's say the play pavilion and I will get to that. Right. But oh, maybe I shouldn't spoil that. Oh, you can spoil it. I don't care. <laughs> Everyone, I'm sure, knows about it. But let's say the the planned pavilion to go in the wonders of life. Then the interactive commu- uh, pavilion. Um, let's say it was just a bunch of arcade games. That's silly to spend a hundred dollars to go in there. But I think because it was positioned as a themed city, mm-hmm. it provided like an experience that you couldn't get elsewhere. Yeah. Similarly, a forest on top of a big table is a bit silly, but I think that that gives you a lot of, it'll give you a lot of mileage because it'll feel like, you know, in future movies like Ready Player One, <clears throat> where like, it's like the club in the bubbles or something like that. Yeah. It's just a club, but it looks silly. I will say, and I'll, I'll, I'll stop ranting in a second, but you're right. You know, why would you pay hundreds of dollars to go in there? My uh, response is, why would you pay hundreds of dollars to go to Epcot today? <laughs> Because right now you're you're paying a you're unlike every other Disney park, right? The crux of Epcot is that you get to go buy food and drink at World Showcase. So unlike every other Disney park, the crux of paying $120 to go to Epcot is to pay more money to eat food at Epcot. Um, and that's it. You know, Future World isn't that active anymore. Mm. So 
I don't know. I guess if it looked pretty, like if it was the same, you're coming here to buy food, at least they could make it look new and, and fresh. Um, but they gave up on that. So, I mean, yeah, it is kind of this interesting, sleek, futuristic idea, like straight out of Blade Runner or something like that. But, but the problem I have with it is the coolest part of it is going to be mostly off limits. Well, that shouldn't be, that seems like that's the problem, right? Exactly. That is a problem. because if you had, I don't know, I think it'd be really cool. Um, I don't know how you keep the trees alive up there. It's a bold design decision. I, I know, like, I guess you could just do planters and fake trees or something. Oh, yeah. It would which, be planters. Lots of them. Yeah. But, yeah. well, you can't do planters because you're, it's the roof of your building, no? Like, if they're trees, not like bushes, mm-hmm. but full yeah. trees. Um, Maybe but you could go up there and bring your food and, like, I don't know, sit around. Kind of like if you, I went to San Francisco once and I got a burrito from the Mission District and walked to like a, par, a dog park and just sat there. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, it is so nice to just sit around sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, that'd be nice. But you're right. I guess if this is like, if it's like, hey, our big addition to Epcot is roughly equivalent to above uh, the Garden Grill, which means you'll never see it. And for your sake, it doesn't exist. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's an arch- architectural highlight. Yeah, yeah, it is. But all the other Epcot attractions in the past had rides, had things to do, had things to do. Here, well, I think if temporary yeah. food demonstration exhibits, it's just it's like it's just a wet fart. It's just Disney yeah. kind of admitting, well, this is what everybody comes here for, and they want to spend money on. But it's like. Guys, people come here to Epcot to ride rides. I mean, yeah. yes, they come to eat, but they also they come to your parks to ride rides. I'm well, sorry. the problem the problem is is that if you took that space and you said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make the bottom floor a year round, uh, basically what the Wonders of Life used to be, like festival center. Uh, and you take the second floor and you do like I don't know some kind of quasi excuse me image works thing. Um, that's more geared towards like sleek futurism and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it'd be perfect. And then the top is a seating area. Yeah. I don't think it'd be perfect, but like people paid money to go to the Tokyo tower and look at stuff from a higher vantage point. I mean, people just do that. They like yeah. that. Um, you know, people like going to the aquarium. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to be an aquarium of course, but people like just seeing new things the problem is is that if you go to disney marketing with that and like the higher ups they're going to say number one what's our return on investment right exactly and it's nothing uh what's our direct return on investment and number two how does it appease our sponsors and like unless you're gonna call up tesla and have them show off their shitty cars uh it's not gonna appease anybody Mm. so the the way you do that is you gate off everything and but here's the thing. If you were a company, like if you were inviting your private investors to see Harmonious, um, maybe they're lucky they didn't build it because none of true. their investors had to see that <laughs> piece of shit. <laughs> it would have been like, I mean, I guess it's technically impressive, I guess. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. Harmonious is terrible. I I thought it, there was some neat things in it, but otherwise, uh, whatever. Our next one is going to be Pop Century, the legendary years. Mm. Have you stayed at Pop Century? I have. I have too, yes. 
Yeah, it's not too bad, I think. It's mm-hmm. okay. Do you remember where you stayed in Pop Century? Uh, Like, which one? Yeah. What is it? It's Pop Century. Pop Century would be like uh the 50s, 60s, 70s, oh, wait. 80s, Did 90s. Did you say Pop Century? I have no fun. I don't know. Oh, wait, 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 wait. wait. Uh-oh. Okay. We wait, what about are the low-budget resorts at Walt Disney World again? There's the All-Star Resorts. Oh, I stayed at All Stars. Okay, you started All Stars. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Pop Century is basically the like the follow up to All Stars. That's right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have stayed at the uh, Pop Century, and uh, it is probably the worst, one of the worst hotels on Disney property, Mm -hmm. uh, which is sad, but uh, it's just the truth. Uh, Mm -hmm. So after the great success of the Value All Star Resorts. Disney chose to build a two-part resort complex called Disney's Pop Century Resort. Split down the middle via Hourglass Lake, one side would be themed to the classic years, 1950 to 1990, and the other to the legendary years, 1900 to the 1940s. The bridge connecting both of the resorts was called the Generation Gap. (laughs) Both phases started construction in the year 1999, with a planned opening date of t- December 2001 for the first phase. Of course, the attacks of September 11, 2001 put the project on indefinite hold. The Classic Years was further along and was consistently delayed before finally opened t- two years later than planned in December 2003. The Legendary Years, however, sat for nearly a decade totally incomplete. And you can see photos here of how it looked in the weeds growing over it and these just kind of abandoned wings of this uh, you know half-built hotel Uh, currently the classic years features oversized items such as giant big wheels mickey mouse phones a massive roger rabbit laptops and jukeboxes while it's generally unknown what the legendary years would have had one piece of concept art suggests a garden featuring a massive monopoly board (laughs) Okay. Uh, In 2010, (laughs) the land was revitalized to focus on family suites as Disney announced the Art of Animation Resort. The newest value resort was open on May 31st, 2012, celebrating four Disney and Pixar animated films, The Lion King, Little Mermaid, Finding Nemo, and Cars. Interesting four picks. Yeah. I mean, I guess those are the probably the four most popular. I would imagine, uh, yeah. Yeah, the the four at the time. And this is 2012. It's before Frozen. So those are probably generally about it. Especially for merchandise. Mm -hmm. I think that like Lion King, Cars, Little Mermaid stand pretty strong. Finding Nemo maybe is popular with kids, I guess is the... The thought there, yeah. Uh, the the big draw there is the uh, Lion King family suites. So mm-hmm. that's like what they've mostly focused on. Uh, and so it is interesting just that there was an abandoned hotel there and mm-hmm. that it would have had giant oversized props themed to the first half of the 20th century. And not, not the best half for triangle American shirt waist and... uh well i mean <laughs> i i like yeah the 70s and the 60s had vietnam and labels and stuff like that but the the legendary years did have two world wars i think they lucked it. out honestly that they got further on the classic years because the legendary ideas is a terrible idea 
Mm-hmm. I guess and once the baby boomers died, the legendary years became would become a, a dead weight. Because mm. I don't think... I mean, the 80s and the 90s have just been whored out as the de facto thing to market for so many years. So yeah. I think the classic years is a still dated. <laughs> Giant laptop is stupid. Um, and even the Roger Rabbit is going to soon become... Who is that? Um, <laughs> if not already. Yeah, well, well, eventually. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, but you say everyone knows DuckTales, so I'm, I'm oh. going to be an agnostic about how they know Roger <laughs> Rabbit. But I find um, it interesting that they, they represent the 1930s with a giant Monopoly board. And there's I, you can see there's also a rotary telephone in there. And it's like, like kind of like coming up with how do you represent a decade of the Great Depression? Like, uh, like bread. Yeah. Bread lines, lines at the bank. Right. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it would be like Coca-Cola and, uh, gum, <laughs> bazooka Joe. <laughs> super giant Superman comic. Oh, wait, we can't do that because Warner Brothers owns the DC. You do a giant Donald Duck comic. No. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. It's a giant, um, in the twenties, it's giant sheet music of, what no Mickey Mouse? What kind of party is this? Uh, <laughs> what in the forties has uh, a Donald Duck is giant Donald is a Nazi. That's what we'll do. Oh, he 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 was just dreaming. Mm, right. <laughs> I mean, these value resorts are value resorts. I think that uh, ultimately, a nineteen forties themed hotels. Maybe it was to like to I don't know. Maybe the thought was that they had a demographic of grandparents bringing their kids. Yeah, I don't know what it could have been. Yeah, it it's seems not, like a bad idea. It's a bad idea. It's what just did a bad Disney idea. Imagineering do anything good? What what is going on? It's like since the two thousands, Disney Imagineering just hasn't done anything. Okay, all right, okay. <laughs> Everything has to be a big pun with them from two thousand <laughs> to two thousand and nine. I guess there was that period where they kind of picked up their their act a little bit (laughs) oh well i mean art of animation is certainly an upgrade though sure yeah absolutely oh for sure oh yeah definitely it's just like seven hundred dollars a minute to stay there is (laughs) even the valley resorts are expensive it is yeah Yeah. i mean especially now that they have the skyliner there that's what's on that bridge now yeah yeah and it makes sense i think that like it's an interesting concept, though, between to expand pop century into two generations. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess art of animation just is more palatable yeah. for most audiences. So why didn't they just bulldoze like immediately when they weren't going to do it? Why did they was the thought that they maybe go back and do it again Probably. or was it just too I expensive? Think, I think to it, they were just holding it off, holding it off. Yeah. And then they just abandoned it. And they were like, well, we might as well do something with this property. Right. And they've just finally made it over into art of animation. Did they like I mean, bulldoze and redo to do art of animation or is art no, of an- no, animation they used, built they on the same used, So they built half of it. Yeah. And they okay. used the the half they built and then built the rest of it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, our next one is also a resort. It's Reflections. <laughs> ah, oh, you remember Reflections. Of course <laughs> the, I do. The Lakeside <laughs> Lodge. Uh, it was announced at the D23 2019 Expo. Uh, and it, ha- it was a Fort Wilderness DVC option on the former site of River Country. The project, which looked more like a Holiday Inn than a woodsy lodge, would have featured rooms with flourishes reminding guests of Bambi and Fox and the Hound, a lobby featuring Pocahontas, and inexplicably was to feature a Princess in the Frog restaurant. 
Uh, and mm. you could see there, like, uh, you know, the Pocahontas lobby with a lot of, I mean, it's kind of like a mix of mid-century modern and art deco, but mm. mostly kind of reminds me of the uh, the current Pixar Pals hotel that looks like a hospital. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just mm. bland and yeah. white. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's concept art of the the Princess and the Frog restaurant, which, to be fair, kind of looks nice if it didn't make zero sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, floor to ceiling windows would look out onto the lake with fiber optics and lighting effects, creating the illusion of fireflies on the bayou. There were also to be villas, treehouse suites, and A-frame cabins set alongside the lake. I like the A-frame cabins, uh, but n- not a single one of us would even come close to afford to being in one. Uh, <laughs> once again, the COVID-19 pandemic killed the project, and the budget was reallocated to a similar-looking tower at Disney's Polynesian Resort, again lasered on DVC. So, DVC is a genius, genius plan, because if your company is going under, just get people to buy a timeshare, mm-hmm. and then you can make a lot of money. Not that Disney's going under, like, going to go bankrupt, but like in the yeah. periods of hard economic difficulties you can just sell timeshares instead of hotel rooms mm. um i think that this one always confused me because the wilderness lodge insofar that it had things to do yeah is an interesting idea um you know there's canoeing and horse riding if you go to fort wilderness right and there's all that stuff generally yeah okay and then disney's grand californian is hard to sell i think because you're literally you just get in your car and drive there like uh it, it, i guess if you're a tourist you're not going to go out to any of the the beautiful forests in california or even you know i guess you could go to colorado but yeah um still i think it makes some sense reflections i think it makes no sense because you're getting a cabin at disney world that looks like it's in california themed to princess and the frog and pocahontas and there's not much to do because you're on the former side of river country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I get the idea is we want to give a high the experience of being in nature to our DVC members. But at the same time, those idiot DVC members have enough money to actually just go to like just go to Boulder, just mm-hmm. go to Aspen, go yeah. go somewhere. You know, it's like. I don't know. Maybe that's the one thing that's always perturbed me about reflections is that it's the worst case scenario in all cases, mm. um, at least to me. I don't know. What are your thoughts on reflections? Well, for one, uh, I heard that there was rumored that the pool area would have been based on river country, but oh. I don't know how much of that really makes too much sense because you can't build anything quite as big as that. Well, I think people, no one would know what it is either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Now, Jim Hill used to tell to talk about oh stop. Uh he's Jim always Hill, right from what yeah. I understand. <laughs> he used to talk about the reason why this resort apparently was being made in the spot that it was, in that apparently a lot of DVC really like are really charmed by remembering or looking fondly back on their Fort Wilderness days. And being near that area and, you know, going to like, you know, the parades that they would have and such, but Mm -hmm. they are resistant 
to actually stay at Fort Wilderness. So this is sort of to bridge that gap to where people could enjoy Fort Wilderness activities without actually having to stay at Fort Wilderness. Oh my God, they gentrified Fort Wilderness. Exactly. And there you go. That's exactly the point, that this was basically Fort Wilderness gentrification for rich people who don't want to actually go out in a camper, but enjoy the pleasures of all that area. Well, I suppose if you're going to rip the character out of something, you might as well completely rip the character out of it. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Disney fans are stupid. Um, They're not stupid, stupid. But like when you have, it's so much pandering then. Yeah. So like, let's say that's true. Then it's got to, sure, that panders to the, I want to go to Fort Wilderness, but I don't want to like actually experience any of the. The, the intention of its design. Yeah. Also, I want my restaurant to be Princess and the Frog, and I need Pocahontas, and I want Fox and the Hound, mm-hmm. and I want to look like I'm in the cancer ward of a hospital when I go to bed. <laughs> it's like, it's not for me, I guess, but it'll never be for me, like you're saying. This is just a way to suck up thousands and thousands of dollars of rich people's money. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the well, one that, know. even the Polynesian one looks messy too, but it's mm-hmm. not for me, I guess, right? Yeah, you know, that is interesting. Like um, the Retro WDW podcast has been doing uh, a little bit on DVC right now. They had, they had this entire episode where they went through the history and also looked into the logistics. And then they had so many people respond to them. It took up an entire two hour long plus episode just mm. to respond to all the responses that they got, which naturally were a bunch of people justifying their buy-in to DVC. Yeah. And you wonder, is this because they feel like they have to justify why they did a timeshare and why they got into a timeshare and that they're not stupid for getting into such timeshare? I mean, I look at yeah. DVC and number one, I mean, you, you have to have like $12,000 of cash on hand, exactly. which is insane to me. Like, uh, some of the stories that they uh, I have heard from this episode was like, what? You you still had twelve thousand dollars of cash on hand, but yeah. that and you have to commit to going to Disney once a year. Yeah, every it's year. A, it's a timeshare for <laughs> the next thirty years. Well, it's like. <laughs> and- yeah, it's a terrible, terrible deal. But like nowadays, I mean, here's the thing: like, a if you want to know where that weird cult of Disney, yeah, well, yeah, everything Disney does is right. It's because they put twelve thousand fucking dollars into Disney. Yeah. Um. You know, you have there's a Alton Brown quote I heard once, which was like someone asked him what they thought of this incredibly expensive steak place in I think it was Atlanta. And uh, Alton Brown said, because the person I heard it was really good. And Alton Brown was like, well, if you're going to spend that much on a steak, of course you're going to come out and say that it's delicious. Like, that's just how it works. Your cost of entry is so high that what are you going to do? Say it's terrible? Mm-hmm. You've spent a mini fortune on going to Disney now mm-hmm. uh, once a year for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, of course you're going to call in and defend yourself, but you fell for the ultimate suckers game. Um, and I. I don't blame anybody who does it. You know, I think that it was a really good deal in the nineties actually. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. But it's definitely not, especially with all the perks that they've taken away. And also the, you know, the unfortunate thing about the resale right now. Did you know that Disney like apparently has the first right of refusal on resale? So if you want to, 
give your points and your DVC to somebody else that if you're getting like a good price, Disney can also go, eh, no, we're actually going to refuse that and you can only sell it back to us at our specified rate. Oh, Jesus Which Christ. is like such a kick in the nuts. Like well, Yeah, you're you're basically held by the balls yeah. in this contract because you've spent so much money. You know, it 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 it's fascinating to me how it's changed. I mean, I'm not gonna say that like it was ever cheap. But in the 90s, the buy-in price was much lower. So if you still have a contract from the 1990s or early 2000s, yeah, actually, I mean, sure, whatever. But if you bought into DVC within the past 10 years, you're an idiot because <laughs> you're an idiot because there's it, you're, you essentially tossed over thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to force yourself into the same vacation for 30 years. Yeah. Like, man, you go to so many regional theme parks. Um, we talk about so many theme parks mm-hmm. on this podcast mm-hmm. and I've done some traveling myself recently and I sometimes step back and say, well, I like Disney, but what if I didn't do any of those trips? What if I just went to Disney exactly, World yeah. once a year for 30 years? I, I go, I'd go insane. Of course I'd love Tron because I'm going anyways. Um, you know, I <laughs> but like that to me, these, the problem with these resorts even worse is that like, the deal is so delicious to Disney that every DVC hotel has to have the maximum amount of capacity because mm-hmm. you need to get more people in it. Well, and yeah, people are so ninety-five percent capacity right. for DVC as well. So yeah. they know they're going to get their ROI for and sure. And there's so much FOMO from people mm-hmm. that the second they open a hotel, it's like, well, I can't miss it this time, so they buy into the the next hotel. And yeah. I don't know, maybe the because of the cost is so high that DVC. People expect to have like a pristine, minimalist experience. Um, Like you look at that Polynesian tower and you compare it to the Polynesian. And it's like, why would you stay there if you hate the Polynesian so much? Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, to stay in the new one, you have to hate how the original one looked. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know how, I mean, I guess I know how we get to talking about DVC. But when you talk about reflections in the way where, you know, none of this makes sense in a way like why is this a princess and the frog restaurant why do the rooms look like this the answer is that disney's gonna tell you what it looks like (laughs) (laughs) and you'll pay Uh, not you but i I know and what's what's amazing is that uh, when when i look at it it's like i don't understand why Mm -hmm. most people would be that ecstatic to go to this anyways like it's if if I were to be honest, I don't think that many people really want that many people want to be next to Fort Wilderness. I think it's it's a little out of its way, right? I mean, yeah. the whole point of Fort Wilderness was, I mean, there used to be a train that would take you places. I mean, to get point eight, I mean, to get to Hoop De Doo, you have to do a couple of extensions. You have to go to you have to go to Wilderness Lodge and take a bus from Wilderness Lodge to Pioneer Hall. Uh, like it is a track mm-hmm. and it's not a straight shot to the kingdom. You you know, you could take a boat. You could always take a boat to, I believe it takes you to the, to either the contemporary. Yes. It takes you to the contemporary. Yes. You can go to the contemporary from uh, the, the Fort Wilderness Pioneer Hall area. But again, it's, it's super inconvenient. Yeah. When you really think yeah. about it. 
So no, it just becomes yeah. a big pain. And that's the thing about the, the Jim Hill solution is that that's a great idea in theory. Yeah. But I doubt, I honestly doubt, and given how I my perception of DVC, that people make fundamental choices nowadays about mm-hmm. where they can have their DVC home resort at. Most yeah. of them are full. A lot of them are full. Mm-hmm. And not like full, full, but a lot of them, it right. costs a pretty penny. So mm-hmm. a new the newest one is probably what you're going to be pushed towards. Yeah. Um, I mean... I will say this. We bought points off of a family member once mm-hmm. when I was younger. I stayed at uh, Key West. Okay. Uh, actually, a really lovely resort. Mm-hmm. Really like small and nice. Really well-themed. And uh, the rooms were like... Uh, Kind of, they were just like living spaces. Yeah, like, I mean... There was like a kitchenette. There was a kitchenette, like and it, it's made for week-long traps. Right. Mm. What confuses me, though, is that as someone who isn't in the DVC, that was great. It was a lot more room than before. You get a good deal on the points, and it kind of justifies itself, I guess. But as a DVC member, well... Why are you going to Disney if you're going to spend the time in this room with your kitchenette yeah. and make food yourself? Mm-hmm. It seems like you're justifying a purchase of a long-term real estate uh, decision, yeah. which exactly. I don't know what you'd call that, but it seems like you're, you know, sharing some time with Disney. But that's the thing. You're <laughs> you're literally you're taking a vacation, but you're choosing to spend your lays about vacation at Disney. Yeah, every single time, and it's like I guess I could go to the parks, except that it doesn't it doesn't really work that way anymore because it's not like it was in the nineties. You do have yeah. to plan everything out and that such that. So I don't know. I I just don't get it. I don't. Yeah. I'll never get it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm sorry for anybody who's listening who's in the DVC. Uh, Sell your uh, points. Get out yeah. now. See Sell the your world. Points. <laughs> if you can um yeah, of course okay the next one hyperion wharf in 2010 disney sought to replace pleasure island at the downtown disney shopping district with a brand new idea hyperion wharf the former nightclub district which had beloved oddities such as the comedy warehouse and adventurers club would see a retrofit that would bring it fully into the downtown disney mold so if you remember pleasure island was like had a gate for a while and you paid the gate price, and then you went into the nightclubs. And then it became where you pay for one nightclub or the other or something like that, but was never never was fully into the downtown Disney. Here's how Disney described Hyperion Wharf. A nostalgic yet modern take on the earliest 20th century port city, an amusement pier will evolve Pleasure Island into Hyperion Wharf. By day, the bustling port district will draw guests in with its stylish boutiques and innovative restaurants. And by night, thousands of lights will transform the area into an electric wonderland. Taking its name from Hyperion, the Greek god of light, as well as the street on which Walt Disney built his first animation studio, the Wharf District will also feature a relaxing lakeside park and enhanced pedestrian walkways. Its diverse eateries will expand dining availability at downtown Disney by more than 25%. Despite shuttering the bulk of Pleasure Island in 2008 and demolishing much of it in 2010 and 2011, the plan stagnated as it became clear that the entire downtown Disney needed a makeover, not just Pleasure Island. 
In 2013, Disney Springs was announced, taking Pleasure Island and turning it into the landing, replacing much of its new shops and restaurants as intended, but now it would be joined by a new town center centerpiece, if you will. A flowing spring would connect the entire property, which officially opened in 2015. The landing became home to the Boathouse, Raglan Road, and Jock Lindsay's Bar. Even Disney Springs had canceled elements, such as elevated structures supposed to be repurposed train tracks. Do you remember seeing this? I do remember seeing that Mm -hmm. a long time ago. Yeah. The reinvention of the West Side still remains an issue with the abandoned NBA experience and the struggling drawn to life search show. So not much is known about Hyperion Wharf of like what the restaurants were going to be and such. This kind of like just kind of, you know, random um, concept art, mostly Mm -hmm. taking the a lot of the buildings and retrofitting them and a lot of lights and stuff like that. And allegedly, so you notice where there's like a, an amphitheater looking out onto um, the bay there. Mm-hmm. Allegedly there was going to be a, like a world of felt uh, world of color esque show that they were going to do there mm-hmm. for a time. Yep. But, that was the big push at the time. Yeah. Right. But uh, there's not really much else about this. Um, honestly, uh, as much as I like Disney Springs, uh, I do also find that this is this is a one a little bit more intriguing, but also incredibly boring at the same time, especially to what it was replacing, which was this eclectic, you know, amount of these interesting and varied nightclubs and comedy right. warehouse and stuff like that. I just I don't know. I really can't really get behind this as a concept. I mean, yeah, Disney kind of screwed a lot of the character out of um, downtown Disney once uh, Disney Springs opened and Pleasure Island closed, of course, at very different times. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I, the The problem with these pitches, at least this pitch here, and everything they've done at Disney Springs is that they have this notion in their head that they're going to do these highly themed shopping areas, mm-hmm. and they never commit. Right. Disney Springs is probably the most they committed, and I would say – the fact that they haven't like tried to do any development or mm-hmm. uh, uh, additional stuff to Disney Springs is pretty telling. Yeah. Like the West End is just like barren. I love the West End, but yes, oh, it's barren. What, what, I, what do you like about the current West End? Oh, that's just, it's old. It's old. <laughs> I just think it's cute. Oh, um, don't you then? Wouldn't you like the marketplace better then? Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, well, the West End is. Oh, gee. The West End. So far, you've got me to... twice here. Yeah, I'm okay. Forgotten. Because I was about to say, it's like, so, you, really, you really want the abandoned MBA? No, is the marketplace on the east then? That's the east, yes. So you're saying the, the part with uh, Cirque du Soleil, yeah? Yeah. Okay, then, yes, you're right. That part sucks. And it, it needs a significant redevelopment. And it will never get it. I doubt it. Yeah. Not for a long time. Uh, mm. Because the money to replace a lot of those things would be incredibly. It would be an incredible nice. redevelopment. Yeah. I guess they tried, right? With um, the well, they, NBA experience. They did right? try with the NBA experience in the new Cirque show. Yeah. The attempts were there. It just none of them worked out. Well, the problem is, at least as I would posit it, they kind of banked on leaving a bunch of things there, like the House of Blues, like just Cirque du Soleil, and I guess Disney Quest. But those things made more sense in a very different downtown Disney. Um, once you, cause if you think about like how downtown Disney or Disney Springs operates currently, the marketplace is like old and kitschy and, and 
I guess, cute. And then you have the really gosh, uh, actual Disney Springs area. Yeah, the town center. Exactly. And then you have the landing, which has a bunch of uh, restaurants, quasi upscale restaurants, not like yeah. fancy, but pricey. Um, and then you just have like the corner, which has the worst parts of the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, none of the interesting stuff, just a. Well, I guess Disney Quest used to be there, but some really half-assed stores and a Cirque du Soleil show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, the West Side will probably – I mean, with the failure of the NBA experience, I don't know what Disney's plan is there. Um, there's there's basically no plan right now. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, I think they did the smart move with mm. go, foregoing Hyperion Wharf and – yeah. Doing all of downtown Disney. That was the smartest move they could have done. But on the other hand, I also think that it is a shame because they might they might have been willing to go maybe a few more risks with Hyperion Wharf if they just mm-hmm. focused on that. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I mean, they were never going to go back and do something as interesting as the adventures club or as the comedy warehouse well i wish i want to know from the perspective of a florida or orlando native what their feelings are on the town square um because as a tourist i'm more gravitate i gravitate more towards the marketplace mm-hmm. just because it's more disney it's more but disney. i wonder yeah i i don't know maybe if i lived in orlando i would just think of that as a cute shopping district that i could visit yeah um and I wouldn't be that opposed, but you know that's the difference between Disney Springs currently and, mm-hmm. and what was Pleasure Island, um, right? Well, I, I, I mean, you and I were too young to have ever experienced Pleasure Island. Oh, absolutely, right? Yeah, and yeah. you know that's the thing with um, the only memories that I have of Pleasure Island is my mom kind of reluctantly taking me through it because it was during the daytime and we wanted to get to the other side of yeah. downtown Disney to the west side and they're like oh i guess we can go through because it's the daytime okay is pleasure That's island so, seen yeah. as like a debauchery space well that was kind of the thing was like some people probably saw it as debauchery you know well, the problem is that you title it as the part from fucking pinocchio where everyone does drugs and gambles donkeys yeah exactly they, yeah. they eat all their candy and they smoke their cigars and mm-hmm. they gamble you well, know it's like I guess that's kind of cool. I like the the ironic notion there, but mm-hmm. maybe the big Jessica Rabbit made people yeah. uncomfortable. I, <laughs> I I do think that they the should have put a wear- coat on her. Mm. Sorry, it's tri- tri- trench coat. Yes, I know what yeah. you're saying. <laughs> uh, I, I think that the Comedy Warehouse is probably probably a really good thing that the Comedy Warehouse does not exist in the year 2023. Hey, it's uh, not woke anymore. Yeah, They're not exactly. gonna... Can you imagine going to the Comedy Warehouse in 2023 and you have to take your, your cell phone and put it into Oh, a... yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, they probably, uh, I guess they would, Disney would hire the uh, improv comedy troupe, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, um, I do think that the losing the Adventures Club may possibly be one of the single dumbest and naive and unfortunate ideas that Disney has ever done because I think that the Adventures Club sans the pandemic. I mean, okay, yes, I get that. But besides that, it would have been so popular today. 
uh, it would have been insanely popular today. Would you agree with that? Um, what's currently in that? Uh, what's currently in that space? Is it the Edison? The Edison, yeah. I mean, yes, it would have been more popular than the Edison because the Edison kind of blows. Um, have you been to the Edison? No, I haven't been in the Edison. The food sucks. Um, yeah. yeah, and then uh, Universal opened Toothsome, which like not that they're the same at all, but you have like themed restaurant mm-hmm. in Disney Springs and theme restaurant. At Universal. Um, Well, I I will say this. On one hand, yeah, I think it would be popular, but I don't think it's the monkey paw, Ryan. If you get the Adventures Club today, you're getting like Treasure Planet characters and you're going to get like Flynn Rider and shit like that. Oh, my God. You're not going to get that original thing because because Disney has realized that they can make more money selling Tervises with Adventure Club logos on it than they That's actually true. could at the Adventurers Club. That's true. No, you're right. You know, I, I think the problem with the problem with Pleasure Island is had Pleasure Island stayed open, it it would not it wouldn't be what you would want it to be today. Which is one thing I like about Disney Springs is that there is no way to make like you can put Disney music in some of those places, but there's no way, real way to disneyfy the town square it's yeah. kind of it's, it's gonna be looking like that i think and and the waterfront as well or the yeah. whatever the the place with the burger places yeah uh, i i think that yeah i mean i think the adventures club would make a lot of money if they committed to it but mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is do you think they would actually commit to it i mean the original characters if, if they made enough money and apparently that was the problem in the end was that people weren't spending enough on booze and they were spending too much time just lounging around and uh, saying Kungaloosh a lot. Uh, I is, guess, is, yeah, yeah. That, that was actually like the problem. But I think nowadays that that bar would be making hand over fist, uh, just just mm. endless gobs of cash. Well, it's funny. So if you think about all of the themed bars currently, they have time limits, right? So you're limited on time in Oga's and Trader Sam's. That's true. Um, And then Jock Lindsay's you're not, but that place is really weird. Uh, Mm -hmm. Jock Lindsay's by like 10 o'clock becomes a regulars bar, which is very weird to me. Um, I mean, it's it's awesome, I guess, because like no one tries to get in any characterization. There's just people drinking beers at the (laughs) at the bar. Um, I guess you could do the same with Adventures Club. Do you think that that would eat into the identity, though, if everyone was put on a very rigid? Yeah, probably, especially the fact that the whole idea about the Adventures Club was that you went around and you watched a bunch of shows. That was Mm -hmm. the whole idea. There would be like a schedule and a rotation of of like events and confluences. And you would kind of see these shows, which sometimes would involve, you know, special effects. Other times they would just kind of involve, you know, kind of improv comedy uh, Mm -hmm. with a kind of an adult edge. So like it it depended. Uh, The whole idea was that you kind of perused and then. At a regular time, you would go into the foyer and the puppet would come to life, and you know, you would do the like the orientation thing that would end in Kugnalush and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, you're right, it, it would be kind of if you were timed, it would be difficult to probably manage that. Um, I don't know, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like a really, I yeah, I, in, in basically, I wish Disney would do it, sure, you know, that'd be great, 
Yeah. We'll see. Keep some Joe Rody alive in this world. Yeah. 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 Okay. So let's move on to the play pavilion. <laughs> uh, inside the former Wonders of Life Dome, which had been used for festivals for quite a bit, the multi-attraction structure would have finally seen a grand redo with the play pavilion. Play would have been loosely based on 2018's Ralph Breaks the Internet, and was, which was also announced in 2018, as guests under the dome experienced a digitally enhanced virtual landscape. The center, which used to be a donut hole consistent of various structures that had the anatomical players, it had uh, the Make It of Me, it had Goofy About Health, now that would be hollowed out and recessed with a pit containing stadium seating, a kids' play area, and performance stage. On the outskirts would be small-scale attractions. These attractions would have been placed within the dome itself, utilizing new facades rather than actually using the deeper spaces that once housed Body Wars or Cranium Command. Uh, The two show buildings, however, were finally cleared out to use as backstage for the pavilion. So instead of using the show buildings, the actual um, circumference of the dome would have been crept in as these new attractions would be in the facades behind the facades that would be erected. Uh, highlighted with Disney emoji figures in this digital landscape, guests could visit multiple small scale experiences including revolving meeting greets, the Edna Mode experience, which Edna Mode teaches guests about fashion and the design of superhero outfit, which was later revised to just be Animation Academy starring Edna Mode, uh, Hotel Heist, uh, interactive game starting Nick and Judy from Zootopia, a small Wreck-It Ralph-themed arcade, Monorail Mark X, an attraction that had guests ride a virtual monorail utilizing video screens as windows, and a themed water balloon battle with screens and 4D effects. That, uh, just to let you know, was once based on DuckTales 2017 and then was revised. Because um, no the, one's seen it. Exactly. Uh, these games and attractions were planned to be malleable to be updated with whichever property Disney wanted to promote next. This attraction was yet another casualty of the 2020 COVID pandemic, although actual construction occurred within the dome, many sources say that set pieces were installed. In 2022, the decision was made to lightly cancel the project as they redetermined another path for the pavilion. It's rumored that Disney spent $123 million on the project before cancellation. That's a rumor, but it wouldn't surprise me, which is really Mm. funny if they actually did construction in the pavilion itself. So the play pavilion. Uh, well, look, if you're not riding, you're not, you're not uh, synergizing. That's what they can say. So maybe the, I'm assuming some Marvel thing will come to the pavilion. Now. Ah, that's um, I mean, it's probably what's going to happen. It makes sense. They can only do what the universal contract lets them do. So it has to be something that's not represented in Marvel superhero Island. Is Black Panther represented in Marvel Superhero Island? Yes, it is. And that was like Wait. apparently, allegedly, Universal and Disney were going to have talks about it. I thought Gamora was too. N- no, the Guardians of the Galaxy were not. Not the Guardians, but I thought, oh, whatever. Anyways, I, I think, yeah, um, so be it. I think that the Play Pavilion would have been very neat. The reading the possible things though, and they're a bit less interesting than I would have imagined. Right. The I think we've talked about this at length before, but the the way that they would have to make this work is that it can't just be one of the game rooms on one of their cruises. Mm-hmm. 
um, if this just amounted to the rough equivalent of a game room on a cruise, you know, with little interactive games, then yeah. it would be a, a dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all of these listed out, do any of them interest you, Ryan? Not really. I get yeah, what neither. the idea. I get what the idea of it is because if you look at this entire portion of Future World or World Showcase or whatever the fuck you call it, uh, there's three thrill rides, and you need a kids area to balance it out. So that was the whole idea: was that you would take all the kiddos, you would go into this new pavilion, which had meet and greets, which had small interactive exhibits. Uh, that can entertain them for a little bit. And yeah, you know, it is a little bit like Wonders of Life because Wonders of Life really, really kind of was that. It was uh, one thrill ride and just a bunch of interactive exhibit shows and little things to do for, I guess you say, kids while maybe everybody else waits and rides, you know, the big thrill ride. The problem with this, however... Is that to be honest, nothing in this is particularly enticing, nor is it really anything we haven't already seen before. I mean, I don't know what Hotel Heist and Interactive Game is or anything like that, but like it kind of reminds me of Super Nintendo World, but without without really any of the motive. And a lot of Super Nintendo World is a bunch of like little interactive games, but at least there's there's a motive for it. You're trying to get to this boss right. battle uh, and complete that. But here, it it doesn't seem to have that overarching thing. It's just a bunch of things to do to waste time. Well, I would like to see him do something like Super Nintendo Land here, where there's like a big main e-ticket and then spokes of the e-ticket are smaller games, perhaps yeah. connected by like the iPhone. That seems like maybe what they should redevelop it towards, because I think mm-hmm. Wonders of Life is big enough, and it would be yeah. an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is I don't trust them to do it with any interesting properties. So wow. I, I do kind of like this amalgamation one they have here. Um, what it seems to me most resembling is a uh, modern replacement for Imageworks. Yes, exactly. There you go. And it does seem useful, like you're saying, for younger audiences. And that's why I think I'm less critical of this is because mm-hmm. I, Epcot is becoming more and more and more a place where kids can't go. Right. Um, and like I know that was always the case that was boring, but the difference between a park full of edutainment and a park full of nothing is that at least there was edutainment before. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you have you have the seas, you have Living with the Land, Soren, Figment. Um, you lose Ellen's energy adventure, but I doubt kids were going to go on it anyways. Yeah. Uh, but as those things become more dated, I think that younger audiences, especially the horrible nightmare inducing uh, uh, attention monsters that are iPad babies are going to be more frustrated <laughs> by edutainment than maybe you and me were um, when we were kids. So the idea seems valuable. And I, I guess it's hard for me if the arcade had a bunch of cool arcade games that'd be neat. Yeah. But if it was like pay to play arcade games, that'd be no, miserable. Would have been that, yeah. No, wouldn't have been that. Star Wars, the arcade game. They just pull it all from the like, top century. <laughs> Time crisis, like just yeah. in there. <laughs> uh, no, I think the the weird thing about it also is I think the large amount of it's you know for its demise and why it was delayed so long there was a lot of emphasis on like interactive screens and a lot of touch yeah it was heavy on touch which you know was a big no-no during the pandemic mm. 
That's yeah, but also I'm confused by this whole notion of we want to celebrate play and like what do you mean by play if you're talking about little you know uh little play areas you have that in spades all around Epcot so what what exactly do you mean by play I guess high tech play again I've seen that before interactivity right yeah it's. Mm It's not easy. It, it required a bigger attraction, I think. Right. It required some kind of an engaging, um, you know, even like an interactive attraction. Yeah, I think, frankly, like, it's they, even they the recognize. Ride. Yeah, they recognize this is a bit of dead on arrival. That's probably yeah. what they've kind of like figured out. It's like it was a good idea for the time, but probably not so much anymore. Well, I'll also say if you if you had an entire theme park revitalized theme park and this was just one of the spokes Mm -hmm. then i think it's more justifiable Mm -hmm. um, because you've lost communicore you've lost community you lost interventions you've lost communicore you've lost interactive things so you you introduce all of these new attractions you introduce the festival center you introduce all of the new Mm -hmm. walkthroughs and uh fountain areas and blah, blah 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 and then for the little kids off the corner are little games they go play the games. That right. to me is less problematic as an idea than to release this thing in a bubble in isolation mm-hmm. and say, you know, imagine you opened Epcot according to that 2019 plan. This would just be a side op- offering, I think. And people would just pass by it and say, oh, it's like the Dumbo little circus thing. Who cares? Yeah. Um, I guess now it's multi-level marketing over there. But mm-hmm. back when the Dumbo circus thing wasn't based on the the candles you know, yeah, who cares? But when you open it independently in a park that hasn't seen any of its revitalizations actually make it through except for Guardians of the Galaxy, um, yeah, of course it's going to look terrible. It's like an e-ticket on its own now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the thing about the Minions, right? If you open it in isolation, people are going to view it in isolation right. and think that it was a waste of money. So, mm-hmm. no, that's, no, You're right. That's a great point. Uh, it needs to be open alongside uh, many other things. Mm-hmm. We'll be fair about the minions at the very least. They are. It's very clear fun. that they're opening up a few things for kids to do before Epic Universe opens up. Yeah, which absolutely. is probably something that Universal Studios Florida needs. Uh, so I will give them that uh, for sure. Uh, I mean, at least we have an entire big theme park coming. Uh, finally, our last one. Uh, is the Spaceship Earth redo. <laughs> uh, so this redo was called Our Shared Story. So the original attraction told the story of the history of communication. This was portrayed through evolving measures in technology. In this new iteration, the focus was to be switched onto storytelling. Guests would follow a quote-unquote storylight that would enhance various old scenes probably like projection mapping as you can see there one misconception was that the attraction would see a massive influx of ip however this was simply not true for the most part while a scene did look reminiscent of moana it was actually a coincidence or perhaps an intentional nudge forward because the end of the attraction would showcase disney as continuing the proud tradition of storytelling uh, communicating these great stories through new ways joe gardner from soul was rumored to be featured in these scenes in the descent the baton would be passed on to influencers and the youth or you as the new storytellers utilizing technology in ways never thought imaginable as vloggers and such would tell their stories in a trippy projection filled ending segment 
one concept shows guests descending through a digital brainstorm. Another showcases a digital-like Spaceship Earth at the apex. It's unknown if the Spaceship Earth redo would get restarted, but originally it was rumored to close in 2020 for a reopening date of 2022 due to its failing ride system. It may still need it sooner rather than later. So there's, there's, I, I always thought that this wasn't as bad as people put it out to be, but I mean, I don't know. Even looking at the, the stuff that's leaked out about it, uh, um, I'll say this, uh, it yeah. visually, it actually looks quite nice. Yeah. I think in all the cases, visually, it looks quite nice. Um, I, we have like a, 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 a we're not an adults only podcast, so I can't say some things, but <laughs> the vlogger part is stupid and stupid. dumb yeah. and they should feel bad for making it mm-hmm. and they should quit. Whoever pitched that should quit like today and go flip burgers at the McDonald's because yeah. Design is not for them. We're That's a terrible like, storytellers. We are. It's like you can be a storyteller, and you and you. You know how Mr. Toad's Wild Ride ends with them going to hell. Yeah, that it's... would be like if you ended with TikTok influencers and spaceship birth. <laughs> Look at all the the years oh of storytelling we've come to, and then hard cut to vloggers, oh. Tim Tracker in the ride, paging <laughs> Mr. Morrow, and it's then just, the ride ends, and you go oh to hell and die. I don't, I don't know if they would have done Disney vloggers. They would probably like done like what like Addison Ray or something That's like that. That's even worse. That's that even is worse even now. worse. Mm-hmm. If you, like, yeah, you have uh, the Paul brothers, David Dobrik, <laughs> Addison Ray. Um, you go down, you're you're descending down and the Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk fight is projected. That would be awesome. (laughs) I would love that. I think that that is a terrible idea because it presupposes that there isn't any equivalence in people forming the art of storytelling and like linguistics and lecturing and idiot dumbasses with their phones basically being marketing arms for bigger companies Mm -hmm. that can't get access to the youth, right? There are storytellers today who are telling real stories. And unfortunately, neither of them, uh, neither of these groups are those people. Uh, Vloggers are not storytellers. They're marketers and Disney aren't storytellers. They're hacks. Okay. Uh, That's the thing. (laughs) I was surprised that you weren't like more against uh, like the whole Disney thing. Yeah, they can put in the scene where Lakeith Stanfield talks about Baskin Robbins uh, in the Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't laugh at that? You didn't like that? <laughs> okay. Oh, stop. Well, come on. That's the storytelling. That's the next level of storytellers. I forgot about the Baskin Robbins line. <laughs> they can they can, they can, can put in the Burger King jalapeno poppers. Uh, yes, of course. Um, They can put in Secret Invasion, uh, and they can have a little graph of all six mm-hmm. people that watched it. Um, you know, they can, they can, they can show off strange worlds, strange new worlds. And I think that, uh, uh, cheekiness aside, no, I think that's incredibly just embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's a difference between maybe people at Disney don't get this specifically yeah. the board members. I'm sure. I don't think it's Imagineering who did this. I, I guarantee it was the board mm-hmm. or like business people. But there's a complete difference between a bunch of Imagineers putting Walt Disney as like a pioneer for storytelling, which like one could argue he wasn't. 
But there's a big difference between that and the Disney company in its current state being like the leaders of storytelling. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just it's not only masturbatory, but it's wrong. Yeah, I know. I agree. No, yeah. I absolutely agree. I think the ending is what is the turnoff for me. Well, it's like the the I don't know. What a bleak future then if yeah. that these are the two things we have to look forward to in terms of storytelling, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, we, oh, sorry. I, I, I'm, this is, it really frustrates me because I don't know, like even in the animated world, right? If you were really making a story about animated storytellers and you wanted to go big budget and contemporary, you would probably talk about other companies that aren't Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to talk about movies, you would talk about other companies that aren't Disney. And if you want to talk about like how uh, creativity has gotten to the point where you can make entire creative things on your cell phone, vlogging is the worst possible way to discuss yeah. that. Um, now, okay, so clearly they're using a pivot from communication to storytelling. Right. Now, if we were to focus more on storytelling, how would you avoid the pitfalls of going into that trap of, you know, where communication is now. I mean, what would you do? Like, how would you avoid the pitfall of descending and you see a Gal Gadot singing Imagine on her cell phone? Like, (laughs) like, how do you avoid that pitfall? We have Dear David, Dear David. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I think that like, here's the problem that's the problem is that i think communication is in a very tough spot right now mm-hmm. um the hard thing about modernizing attraction about communication is that most contemporary communication kind of sucks unfortunately <laughs> mm-hmm. um but we know. are in probably one of the most radicalized way you know updates of you know communication sure. beyond are. what the current attraction discusses yes yeah you're right and i don't know i think the way you have to do it is face i mean sure it depends on how they handle it i don't trust Mm -hmm. disney to handle okay actually really what's i don't um the worst possible thing you can do is propose an exact alternative sometimes because the artists are just going to be like oh well we don't agree Mm -hmm. but i'll propose a criticism instead then the problem with presenting vloggers like this as the next generation of communication is that you can't sanitize it. That's true. No, that's because true. It's, it's so freeing. And people are doing online amazing art and amazing videos and amazing direction and, and creativity and music. And none of that is coming from the channels that Disney could pull from. Whether mm-hmm. or not they use like actual creators and they yeah. like, you know, showed actually David Dobrik or well, he's canceled. So <laughs> actually, uh, someone who isn't canceled, like a like Hassan, like a Twitch streamer or something. Well, what if, what, if they, you, what if you used to use generic examples? If you use generic examples, my fear is that did you ever see, I think it was on Oh My Disney, but I can't, don't quote me on this. I'll find it for you. And you can put it on the Twitter. It was an advertisement for a Disney movie that 
what they did was is they had these three actresses sit in a room and do a fake yes. podcast. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. They also did the same yeah. thing for Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. Yes, and, yes, that's yes. right. And this stuff was featured, I believe, on Red Letter Media. I, I think that's what you're kind of going for. Oh, I didn't. I, did they feature it on Red I Letter think, Media? I, I, I vaguely remember this. I think I saw Jenny Nicholson might have retweeted it. Yes, Jenny Nicholson did retweet this. Yes, that's right. She so did. yes, I, I remember that. And um, my fear with this is that, you know, the way you present all of history and uh, is sanitized, of course, to an extent. But the problem with modern day communication is that it's raw. It is like mm-hmm. raw and pure. And I don't yeah. think that Disney could do it. So let's say they do a fake one, right? Let's say they're like, oh, we want to like show the diverse. We don't want to show any specific influencers. We want to use random actors to show the diversity of yeah. modern vlogging. Well, you're probably going to get something like that, oh, my Disney thing that they produced, and it would be embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Technology is really hard to talk about nowadays. Okay. Well, that's at least to me, right? It's it, it, You can't talk about tech without seeming not cool. I don't know if any person, very few people have put a, a fucking telephone, like an iPhone in a movie and not looked like a boomer. It's hard to do it. Um, yeah. Idea. Yeah. Okay. Disney sets up an app. All right. God. And on the app, it's pretty much pretty simple. It's just uh, uses your front face camera and there's a record button. And you know, like 15 seconds or 30 seconds is like record a story, say something. And it all goes into like a filter. And somebody watches all of them or uh, algorithms goes and it's like, okay, this one's not saying hate speech. This one's fine. This one's family friendly. And then they come up in the attraction. You could actually be on a ride. I think that the way that uh, maybe that's not a bad idea. Yeah. The way that I would probably lean towards is just to collect a bunch of voices and then just like start layering them all over each other. And then have it kind of like spread out like a like a because they're following this tree thing. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't visual and it was purely audio, I would probably be I, I, less I, afraid. I I need more. I we need visual after this well, the horrible the tree. Descent. Yeah, mm-hmm. the metaphor is the tree, right? And the tree kind of floods out, and more voices right. come out. My problem mm-hmm. is that if you see, if you saw somebody with a phone out pointed towards their face, going, "What's up, guys? Welcome back to today's <laughs> blog." I would be what like, up, "Fam, yeah." <laughs> What up, Spaceship Earth fam? Today, we're going to try the new foot-long Magic Kingdom hot dog. <laughs> it's like a 38 you're, you're just like in your your vehicle, and it's just like for some reason, every single day, there's Tim Tracker in there. Oh, like every Christ. single day. No, I, I think that the problem with, I, at least to me, and you can, I'm sure people have like written papers about this, but it's hard to be a company and represent vlogging appropriately because mm-hmm. the beauty is the random, the human part. Right. Um, now you post. Also, I think we're in like a dystopia, but that's besides oh, the point. Well, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to make it sound beautiful. Um, notice how like in the current Spaceship Earth, nobody predicted that in your car to the future, you would crash into a, a divider because it was autopiloting and blow up and kill you because the doors are internet locked. Um, I don't know. I think that if they do a visual thing and they do like a more metaphorical piece, I would be more interested. But if they show like actual vloggers, I would be pretty miserable. I would yeah. be really sad. I like the uh, visuals a lot, to be clear, to the to the, to the the artists. Um, I think that the, the both the digital like Spaceship Earth and the trees look really pretty. Mm-hmm. I really like yeah. them. 
I just think that you have to be very, very careful about getting into vlogging as your showcase of modern communication. Yeah. Because then you're really on a descent. <laughs> but anything's better than what's currently there, uh, to be honest. I think that the current one is bad. Mm-hmm. One okay. where one where a vlogger has to come up on my screen is worse, mm-hmm. like a lot worse. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess you're right. Like, what is the future if not vlogging? Streaming. They should put streaming in there. Yeah, that's true. True. <laughs> and then increase the price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that about does it for our special. Uh, and we have to just really quickly ask, do we want any of these to be built? I'm sorry I told that guy to go, or guy or girl or, or person to go work at McDonald's for writing that. I guess they're kind of caught in a corner. You're right. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. But do you do you wish any of these were built? <laughs> so, <laughs> I wish the Festival Center was built. Oh, okay. And, so you just uh, want to see it? Yeah, I'd like to see it. I think it would okay. look really neat. Um, it would at least be a nice uh, 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 architectural addition to mm-hmm. Epcot. I also wish the Play Pavilion was built. Okay. Um, I think it'd be a nice thing for kids. And honestly, I wish the uh, space, spaceship Earth uh, flip, yeah, <laughs> I wish the spaceship Earth was built because I think that with the exception of the conclusion, and ex- specifically with the exception of wondering how they would land the ending, um, generally, I think it looks really pretty. Uh, however, I would I would be very I'm also very curious of what their plan was for the end, and maybe they would surprise me. So yep, I honestly maybe. think that it would have been cool to have seen that finished. I don't want the spaceship Earth one because mostly because I would love to see them take another crack at it, and yeah, I would have to assume sure. that they eventually will have to. Uh, I also I also would like to see the Main Street Theater built. There's nothing mm. there currently. Yeah. It would be very cool to have some sort of performance venue in the magic kingdom and i believe it could use it to totally honestly um and yeah that's about it for these like like i said a lot of like little little cancellations little things that of course the disney company they announce and they draw back all the time which is which is very funny to see them announce something with like full force intention and then just act like that never happened just kind of go never, never mind that never happened <laughs> It's a very beneficial to them to look like storytellers than to actually tell the yeah, story. Yeah, to actually tell the story of spending money. God forbid we spend actual money at the Disney theme parks. What is what is um how how much how much fifteen fifteen billion dollars in Florida oh, that they hope they can if DeSantis stops being a little meanie bobini. Uh, Oh, the, yeah so so maybe maybe if uh if if uh, mr desantis stops being a little bitch we'll get this stuff but we'll see we'll see i i think he needs never mind i'm sorry never no mind. go ahead speak your no, mind I was, gonna, I, I was gonna say something very bad i think they would probably and you're at you're at the end of a you know, nearly like 90 minutes that's true no one's gonna now. listen this far except for our our, our five dollar payer mm-hmm. right this far. Mm-hmm. um i i was just gonna say that i hope uh he just gets in a boss accident or something <laughs> uh here here well, he wasn't a wasn't he in a car accident? It didn't take. Unfortunately. God damn, yeah, yeah, that's no. unfortunate. It's really yeah. it's luck. He's the luck of the draw. Did you see yeah. that they they uh, Epic Universe filed a bunch of patents? Yes, they for did. the Frankenstein ride. Yeah, a bunch of uh, 
whatchamacallit, uh, little uh, trademarks. It's going to be called Monsters Unchained, the Frankenstein Experiment, uh, which, I mean, look, I'm looking forward to the Epic Universe, but that name sucks. It sucks. Look, no one's been able to name an attraction in like 10 years. (laughs) Every attraction has have a massive name nowadays. Massive name. It's the most Um, unyielding name ever. Yeah. So unfortunate. Anyways, uh, you might have noticed that a certain British nanny wasn't here. Oh, yeah. And you might be wondering when we're going to tackle such a a, a person. Well, I tell you to keep your eyes peeled on the future. And maybe perhaps it'll be with a very special guest in the future. But that's all I can say. It won't be the next one, but we'll see. We'll Mm. see what happens. Uh, But thank you so much for listening. And especially if you've listened to all the way from the beginning for all 50 episodes. Thank you so much. In the meantime, please follow us on social media on Twitter or X or wherever you call it at Unbuilt Pod. You can reach me at Open Mother's Mail and Ryan Dorman. Maybe at Open the Dorman? For now. For now. For now. X sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel free to email us at unbuiltpod at gmail.com and rate us on wherever you find this podcast. We currently have a Ko-Fi at ko-fi.com slash unbuiltpod. For $3 a month, you can get bonus episodes. And for $5, you can get your name read on the show. We'd like to thank our current contributor, Joseph Antone. Please write a review and tell us how we're doing. If you don't like us, thank you for listening to Diz Unplugged. I'm, you know what? Actually, I'm Ryan O'Reilly, and this is Unbuilt. I'm not going there. See you guys. See ya.